Well, it's great to see the balcony full this morning. Sometimes I wonder if there's enough supports to hold you all up there. <laughs> all right. Merry Christmas. I want to wish a Merry Christmas to everybody here listening on the radio and watching on Facebook. Rejoice. Our Savior, Christ Jesus, is born. Next, I would like to introduce a special but familiar guest for our mission moment, Carl Whitlock. Carl, if you'd please come up and share with us what you're doing at Christian Fellowship Athletes and any other words of wisdom you have for us. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, Thank you for having me back. Um, Joel said I had about 40 minutes. I mean, two. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, But it is it is such a pleasure to be back and to be back in my old home church. It was 26 years ago that I got to celebrate my first Christmas with this church in New Knoxville and um, got to hear the first rendition of Mary Did You Know by the Roar Boss and the Candlelight Service and everything else. And um, so I get a flashback of all these memories. I was just a young tyke. There we go. Out of college and uh, single. And now I fill up a whole row back there. So I want to introduce you to my family. Um, when I came here, uh, I got the little house above the Jay's Nest. For some of you that don't know me, um, my name is Carl. And I was, got to be the youth director here from like 1997 to 2002. So I got to work with some of you folks over there, right, Daniel Warwell and, um, and well, Sunday School Weather with, with Stan Reinecke. Um And I also remember Keith Leffel. You probably don't remember this. I saw you when I walked in. But he blessed me when I moved into this town with his used mattress that I used for the next five years here. He was throwing it out on the street, and I said, I'll take it. I don't care. I'm a 21-year-old kid. Um, So thank you, Keith. But this church was extremely fundamental to me and my start in ministry in that I got to, um, I think I was one Bible verse deep when you you hired me as your youth leader. I got to serve here for five years and help jumpstart Young Life here. And then I got, I moved out. I, I married one of your own, um, Jenny Flutterjohn, whose, whose parents are, are here too and longtime members of the church. And obviously their son is Trent, who's now the youth, the pastor at Faith Alliance Church. And so, um, and now it's full circle again. So having done ministry for five years here, I went out to New York and started and planted Young Life Ministries. Um, and so with kids with disabilities and teen moms and, and did that for about 15 plus years, went on staff with the church for a couple years, then moved back about four years ago. And that brings me full circle back Christmas Eve here in New Knoxville. And so um, so, like I said, my family is Jenny Flutterjohn with and Wayne Bumbar. When I walked in here. But 26 years ago, he said, hey, I've got a girl you need to marry. Remember this, Wayne? He encouraged me from the beginning. It's working out okay. Thanks, Wayne. Um, but uh, now, uh, now I have five, six kids of my own, five teenagers. And one of the things I got to do, and this is just God's provision. When I moved here, I said, I've never even heard of this small town, New Knoxville. Um, but wherever God leads, I'll go and let's do this. And so God provided me all of these blessings with all of my children and a jump start in ministry and the love and support of this, this community. I remember when I got up here to preach the first time, it was old pastor Dave Hunt was in a bad accident and they said, okay, you can have the pulpit and this is, this is going to be broadcast all over all of radio. And I think I knew Romans eight twenty eight. and I said, let's go. And I was trembling mess and I, but this church loved me and supported me and pushed me off. Um, and even continued to support me while I did ministry out in New York. And so here's an, the next opportunity that God put in front of me was working with Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Northwest Ohio. So my area is actually all of Northwest Ohio, 22 counties, which would cover New Knoxville, um, New Bremen colleges. And if you're not familiar with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, it helps equip coaches and athletes to, to really share the gospel and be an influence in their schools and in their communities. And so I get to work with middle school kids, high school kids, college age kids. The person that has my job in Cleveland, he's actually the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Browns chaplain. And so uh, I love the opportunity that God put in front of me. And I feel like it is the culmination of, of 25 plus years of, of ministry and seminary that he says, here's an opportunity for you. Um, I met with Mark Henschen a couple months ago and I said, hey, I'm, there's this new opportunity, but you get to raise 
You, you've got to trust God because that seems like an impossible task because they ask you to raise, like I said, a whole year's salary. He goes, God has to show up now. Like you're, a, you're, you're married with six kids. You're not going to have any income or, any, or, or start a job until this is raised. I have great news that I get to start January 1 with this new pursuit. Um, I've, I've hit that critical threshold, and so um, thank you for taking me on as like as a last-minute missionary. Uh, and so I, I'm excited to work here with Tori and the work she's doing with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and youth groups here in New Knoxville, um, and just to see wherever God would have us go. So uh, thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Um, thank you, Joel. Don't run away because we've got to okay. pray for you, too. Oh, please. Now, I do want to say also, for those of you who are unaware, uh, we do have a chapter of Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in New Knoxville. Pastor Tori and I, as well as several other leaders from the church and the school, uh, meet twice a month in the library at the, before school. And uh, it's all student-led. They do a great job. Many of, your, uh, many of your kids are active in that. And it's just a great ministry and a great opportunity to shine the light of Christ uh, in the school. So uh, the work that Carl is doing is going to be helping lead and guide that ministry, not just in New Knoxville, but all over Northwest Ohio. So we're really excited for that and to be able to work with you. So I have unity that we have to uh, support him in this new calling that you've placed on his life. I thank you for the Ministry of Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the good things that it's doing, not just here in New Knoxville, but all over the state and all over the country. And I pray, Lord God, that you would equip uh, Carl and the other leaders to, to serve you well as they seek to uh, shine the light of Christ in and through uh, sports ministries and schools and, and colleges. And I pray, Lord God, that the offering that we take up this morning would be a blessing to him. And I pray, Lord, that as he steps forward in faith into this ministry, I pray that you would continue to provide for him, not just financially, but spiritually equip him to serve you well as he is uh, stepping into this new role. Uh, we thank you for this now and pray your blessing upon him and his family. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Carl. All right. As we continue our service this morning, I want to invite the Langenkamp family forward uh, for the lighting of our Advent candles. As we gather around the Advent wreath today, we rejoice that Christmas is a time of prayer and of open hearts when we sing songs of joy. Christmas is a time of worship, the moment when the busiest of us pause and wonder. Christmas happens when God comes to us in love through Jesus Christ and fills us with love for all people. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is love. Such great love helps us to love God and one another. Romans 13.8 Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that Jesus showed your love for every person. Babies and children, old people and young, sick people and those who were strong, rich people and those who were poor. Come to us in this Advent season and give us love in our hearts for all people. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for helping us out with that this morning. 
At this time, if you're able, I invite you to stand as we worship the Lord together through song.
celebrate that God would send his son. And not only that he sent his son, but that Jesus was willing to leave the presence of this father, the one that he loves immensely, to come and save us, to give us that provision. Praise you, Jesus. God, Emmanuel, coming to be with us. So much to share with those around us. We give you honor and glory, Lord Jesus Christ. before you now, Lord God, and we praise your name because you are worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are worthy of it all. And so we thank you and praise you for who you are and all that you've done for us this day. 
Lord God, we gather here on Christmas Eve and we can't help but just rejoice and praise you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that 2,000 some years ago, Lord God, you came to dwell among us. Not only to, to help us to know you, not only to reveal yourself to us, but Lord Jesus, you came in order to save us from our sins. You were born in that manger knowing, Lord God, that that was the start of, of your rescue mission to redeem us and restore us. Jesus, you came knowing that you would die on that cross to rescue us from our sins. And Lord God, you knew that in doing all of that, you would redeem a people for yourself, that you would save us from our sins and and give us eternal life through the death of Christ and through his resurrection. And so this Christmas Eve, God, we praise you and thank you for the greatest gift of all, which is your son, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that he has made possible for us through his death and his resurrection. And so, God, we come here, and that is enough. Lord, that is enough for us. You are enough for us. So, Lord God, with, with all of that in mind, knowing that you have already given us everything we need, we have confidence to come to you in prayer and lift up our concerns and needs to you. Lord, because you've already given us everything in Christ, we have confidence that you will also walk with us through the hard seasons of life, through seasons of suffering, through, three, through seasons of illness, through seasons of want. We know that you will be there for us. You are the good shepherd who cares for his flock. And so we, we give ourselves to you now and we, we, we give our, our situation that you can and you will work through them according to your will. Lord, your word promises that even in the deepest, darkest valley, even in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. And it is your presence that strengthens us and gives us peace. And so, Lord God, we ask that you walk with us through the joys and the sorrows of life and everything in between so that you may be glorified and that and ultimately, Lord, we know it will be for our good. Lord, we also praise you and thank you for the joys that we experience. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so even at this time of year when we get to celebrate with family and, and gather together and exchange gifts and, and all of those good things, Lord, all of those good things are gifts from you, blessings from above. And so even in our joys, we, we acknowledge that they, they point us, Lord, to you and your presence in our lives. Lord, we ask for, uh, we, we also pray for those in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. And so at this time, we want to lift up our, our national leaders, our president, our Congress, the Supreme Court, as well as other elected and appointed officials. We ask that you give them a wisdom beyond their means and a hunger and thirst after righteousness, that they would be filled. And we ask, Lord, the same for leaders in our own local community in this church. We ask that you continue to guide and direct us in the path that you would have us go. We pray all these things in the, in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. And he, we pray as his disciples taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You all may be seated. And at this time, I want to invite forward our children for children's chat.
right. Oh my goodness, come on down. Ah, I switched sides. I'm over here. <laughs> That's relevant. Just wait. All right, give me some room here, fellas. All right. I got a big old butt to sit here. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Anyone else coming down here? Looking like a full crowd up here. Oh my goodness. Everybody, everybody, uh, ready for Christmas? Ready for Christmas? Yeah. Does anyone, uh, want to predict anything that's going to be under the tree tomorrow morning? Emma, what do you think's going to be under there? A big squishmallow. You already got stuff? Wait a minute. That's too soon. Too soon. Mr. Warwell? Presents. I like, ah. He got it. He got it. He, he beat you to it. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about. Oh, that's good. You got presents. Oh, yes, Santa's coming here. It's okay. So we're going to talk a little about predictions today. All right. What is a prediction? What does that What does that sound like to you? You think it, but it's maybe not true. Okay. When? What's important about a prediction? Oh, oh, Jojo. You're you're guessing or you're thinking about something that's happening in. The future, yeah. So predict is actually from two Latin words, old school Latin words stuck together, and it means to speak before. So you speak something before it actually happens, okay? So did anybody look at the weather prediction for today? What's it going to be today? Foggy, rainy, not white, not beautiful. Hunter? Oh, Hudson. You. What's what? What? Low? Snowy? I hope so. I wish. Well, I brought with me today. It is. I, I wish it were snowing already. So I usually look on my phone for the weather forecast, but today I brought something along. This is something pretty cool. And for us science nerds, we really like this. Um, this is what's called a storm glass. And there is special kind of stuff in there. There's a little bit of a, uh, almost like rubbing alcohol and the stinky stuff from Vicks and some chemicals and some water. And it's all sealed up in the glass. And it's supposed to, if you're patient, it's supposed to actually, if it looks all foggy and uh, uh, murky, that's what weather you're going to have. So I have this in storage at my house. I'm not sure if it's had enough time to respond. But a long time ago, like 500 years ago, this is how people would predict the weather. They'd be like, oh, it's going to be raining tomorrow because the the glass looks like that. Okay, this does look kind of crystally which actually means cold and snowy. So maybe we're in for another Christmas miracle this year. I don't know. But what do we do for predictions? Why do we want to predict the weather? So you can be right and brag to your friends. That's why you want to be right about predicting the weather? Wow. Wow. You're going to be a meteorologist? You'd be like, hey, see that morning forecast? Nailed it. Anyway, well, I like to predict the weather and know because, uh, yeah, what do you think? Oh, that's right. Maybe Rudolph needs to lead or not if it's not going to be foggy. It's a good point. I like to know the weather because I got to know what kind of clothes I'm going to wear, yeah, right? Oh, if I wear my small coat, you know, and then I'm too cold. If I forget my hat, my bald head gets cold. But if it's warm and sunny, then I got to bring my sun hat so my bald head doesn't get sunburned. It's good to know the weather. It's good to predict things, okay? Well, what does this matter for us today? All right, our Bible story today comes from the book of Luke. You ready for this? You ready for this? And the book of Luke, the story today is all about a big, 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 big prediction. It's the prediction. It's the belief that when an angel comes and says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. That's a crazy prediction, isn't it? Especially like that was not expected at her time, right? At her age in life and how she was, you know, and, and those types of things. So it's a big prediction. It's a big prediction. And now, does the weather forecast always come true? If the weatherman says it's going to rain, does it always rain? If he says, hey, it's going to snow today, does it always snow? So our weather forecasts aren't so great. But, okay, but it was great. The good thing about the Bible story today is that prediction does come true. Because did Mary have a baby? It's kind of a big deal. All right. We ought to have a big party about it. Maybe like all day tomorrow, several days to follow. Okay. Yep. 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 So today, as we go through predictions and you're thinking, oh, what kind of coat do I need? Think about what a great and awesome, amazing prediction that is. We got people that are like weather people on the TV or whatever. 
and they don't even know what it's going to do. I mean, ask any farmer, you know, no one can be wrong as much as a weather person and still get paid. And yet here we are. But today's Bible story, pay attention to it. It's all about the great, great, great prediction, right? The great forecast the saying that, hey, Mary, you are going to have a baby. And who's the baby? Jesus. Baby Jesus. That's right. Not baby George. It's a different, different book. So that's not true. All right. We're going to go ahead and finish up here and say a prayer. All right. All right. Dearly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing these young hearts and minds here into this place this morning. Lord, just continue to place the magic of Christmas in their hearts, and may they continue to grow in wisdom and in stature with you. Bless them as they go from this place. Protect them in all things. Um, and in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 You guys can head back to your seats. Thank you all for coming up here for this children's chat this morning. Our offering today does support Carl and the ministry that he is beginning with Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, at the November consistory meeting. This this Sunday right before Christmas is typically left open because uh, we want to have some flexibility in how we, to be a guest here today or not familiar with how we do the giving schedule, a committee once a year comes together, puts this list together, um, and that's how we are able to support many different ministries and missionaries throughout the year. So this Sunday is typically left open, and when we heard from Carl and found out about this new opportunity, uh, we felt like this is a great chance for us to support him in the ministry that he's beginning with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So the offering today will support that ministry. Uh, and if those of you want to hear a little bit more, uh, there is some information about Carl and his ministry that he provided for us in your bulletin. It'll also be in the upcoming newsletter. I encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, today for our offering, we're really excited to have our bell choir uh, um, offering up the special music this morning. So I invite you to turn your attention up to the balcony to them as the deacons also come forward to collect the offering. Let me pray for us and, and ask for God's blessing over this. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to give back to you out of the, out of the blessings that you have provided for us. I pray that this offering this morning would further the work of your kingdom in and through uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Carl. And I pray that you would bless and sustain them in all that they do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Please remain standing. Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pleaded to be married to a man named Joseph, a a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give you the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's ascendant forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, able to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the reading of your word and this time we've had to worship you this morning. Uh, Lord, here on Christmas Eve, we pause now to reflect on what your arrival means for us. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to focus in on your word, that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may your Holy Spirit give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if you guys have noticed over the past several years, but uh, birth announcements have become quite a thing, haven't they? I remember when it was time for us to announce that Miles was on the way. Uh, we got this t-shirt for Jojo that said something about being a big sister and we had her put it on. We took a picture and we put it up on Facebook and, and that was the way that we told the world, right, that we were expecting another child. Now, there's a lot of very creative uh, birth announcements out there and some of them maybe start going a little too far with their <laughs> extravagance. But I have to say that I don't think there's any better birth announcement than what we read here in Luke 1, right? An angel of the Lord appearing to Mary and giving her a heads up about what is going to happen. I mean, I don't think it gets any more extravagant than that. And that's exactly what we are reading here in Luke 1. This angel comes to visit Mary, this young woman, this virgin, who was pledged to be married to Joseph. And this angel has quite surprising news for her. And so today we're going to be looking at these verses and there's a few things that are important for us to highlight. We could spend a lot of time talking about what this all means. This, these passages from Luke 1 and Luke 2 are very, very important. So this morning we're going to look at Luke 1. We're going to look at this announcement that Mary receives from the angel, this good news that she is going to give birth to a son and he is going to be the son of God, the the son of the most high. And then if you're able to join us tonight at our candlelight service, we're going to look at Luke 2 and, and continue this story. We're going to look today, this morning, at the announcement and what it means for us and why it's important. And then tonight at our candlelight service, we're going to continue on into Luke 2, hear from that passage, as well as others, about the actual birth of Jesus. So for this morning, what I want you to know, what I want you to, to hear as we look at the, the virgin birth, the virgin's faith, and the faithfulness of God, here's what's important for us to take away. Mary trusted the Lord's promise that Jesus is the Son of God, and we today should learn to follow her example. And so let's look first at the virgin birth and what this angel actually tells Mary. So again, remember, Mary is a young woman. Uh, possibly, most likely a teenager at this time, and she is pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, the first thing we must understand is that this, this is more than just a normal engagement, right? Today, engagements are kind of a, for lack of a better term, kind of an informal agreement between two people. 
But a pledge in this day of a, in, the, in Mary's day was almost essentially already a marriage contract, a marriage covenant. There were still some, some things that needed to be done, right? The actual ceremony hadn't taken place, but for all intents and purposes, they were already committed to one another. That's why in Matthew's gospel, when Joseph receives a message from an angel about the birth of Christ, his initial reaction is to divorce her quietly, right? So there's already a serious commitment that is taking place here on Mary and Joseph's part. But yet the marriage had not been uh, consummated. It had not been made official. And so Mary is still a virgin at this time. And so why is this important? Well, it's important because this teaches us, the virgin birth teaches us that Jesus is no ordinary human teacher, right? There's been a lot of very great human teachers throughout history. The Bible has many examples of, of great people that we can look to for moral examples or for solid moral teaching. But Jesus is so much more than that. He's not just your average run-of-the-mill person. He is the very Son of God. That's what the angel means when he says that, that the Holy Spirit is going gonna, is gonna to come over her. The, Holy, the, the child to be born is from the Most High. Right? Jesus has divine origin. Scripture has a, a title, a name that is given to Jesus. You see it first spoken in Isaiah the prophet and later on in Matthew's gospel that Jesus is Emmanuel, which Emmanuel is a name that means God with us. Jesus is the very presence of God among his people. And so Jesus is, is no mere human. He has all of the authority and the status that belongs to God alone. And so even as Jesus is entering the world as this small child, this child that is otherwise completely dependent upon his mother, he is still the very God who created and sustained the universe. So even as Mary is holding him in her arms, Jesus is still the very God who created and sustains the whole universe and holds it all together by his word. Jesus is no ordinary person. He is the divine son of God. He is our Emmanuel. And so this angel then goes on to tell, uh, tell Mary that Jesus is going to fulfill some very special purposes, right? She's going to conceive and give birth to a child and call him Jesus. He's going to be great and be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Again, these promises are all rooted firmly in the Old Testament. And, and Clinton's children's chat was a great example of, of those predictions, right, that take place in the Old Testament. But those predictions were not lucky guesses. They were grounded in the, in the promises and the faithfulness of God. That one day, God would send His chosen Messiah, His Christ, and he will rule over God's people forever and ever. It's a promise that's rooted in Second Samuel chapter 7 and Isaiah chapter 9 and many other places throughout Scripture. That one day God will send a king, and not just any king, but the perfect king, to rule and reign over his people. And this king would be king of kings and lord of lords. He is, our, Jesus is our long-expected king. In Matthew's Gospel, he tells the story of the wise men who come from the east to, to, to recognize this newborn king of the Jews. Right? That's what sets Herod off, right? Is because, because there's this new king that's gonna, that was born, and Herod's already king, right? And so the wise men recognized Jesus' kingship even from birth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem which Micah 5.2 predicts is the place where this ruler would be born. Now, you know that we've been preaching through the Bible throughout the year, and I felt uh, uh, being Christmas Eve, it was important that we looked closely at this chapter from Luke 1. But I do have to say that Micah 5.2, where it predicts that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, was part of the reading this week. So I do kind of fit that uh, plan still. I didn't quite go off script. There is still a reference there. Micah 5.2 teaches us that Bethlehem, the city of David, will be the place where this king, this ruler, will be born. And that's exactly where Jesus is born. 
and he will rule over his curse. Even the greatest kings cannot live forever. Something has got to give. And so in Christ, God is doing something new. Human leaders cannot save, and so God must do it himself. Even the best kings of Israel were mere humans who made mistakes. But this king, Jesus, will rule and reign with perfect obedience, perfect righteousness, perfect holiness, and his kingdom will never come to an end. And so we are called then to worship this newborn king. Right, that's what we're doing here this morning. That's what we're going to do again tonight. And it's what we do every, should be doing every day of the year. Giving Jesus the glory and the honor that he deserves. As you read through the birth narratives of, of Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew, you see worship taking place almost spontaneously. Tonight we're going to hear Luke 2 of the angels delivering this message to the shepherds. And they can't help but break out into song, giving praise and glory to God for what he is doing through His Son, Jesus Christ. We, because Jesus is the divine Son of God, because He is the long-expected King, because He is our Savior, Messiah, and Lord, He deserves all worship and praise. That is why the virgin birth is so important, because it teaches us about who this Jesus is and why His birth, His life, His death, and His resurrection are so important. But this passage from Luke 1 also teaches us about the virgin's faith, about Mary's faith. Now, Luke 1, if you were to read it in its context, you know that there are two different birth narratives happening simultaneously. You got uh, uh, the, the birth of John being predicted, who would go, grow up to be John the Baptist, and you have the birth of Jesus being predicted. And the stories kind of alternate back and forth. And it's interesting to compare the two because Zechariah, John's father, was a priest. And he doubted the angel's message. And as a result, was unable to speak until John was born. Mary even asked the question, how can this be since I am still a virgin? And many people have asked, why is, why is Mary honored and, and Zechariah scolded when they seemingly have similar responses? Well, we see here that, that Mary did not fully understand how this was going to take place, yet she still had faith that God would do as he promised to do. And you see that in the closing verse, 38. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. See, even though Mary didn't fully understand what was going on, she trusted that the Lord was right. She trusted that the Lord's word was true. In one sense, Mary was a typical ordinary girl leading, a ordinary, leading an ordinary life. Yet here we see in this passage and throughout the story that she had a deep, resounding faith in the Lord. And so Mary is an example for all of us to follow. She submitted herself to the Lord even when it was hard to understand His plan. Right? Miracles in and of themselves are hard to understand because by definition, they break the normal laws of nature, right? Miracles are miracles because they are an exception to the normal way of doing things. And that is certainly the case here. How can Mary give birth to a son if she is still a virgin? Well, it's because this is a miracle from the Lord. And so those things are hard to understand. And I'm sure that Mary didn't fully grasp what was going on here when the angel delivered the news. Yet she still obediently submitted to God's will for her life. But even here, even in this impossible moment, God still provided confirmation and provided reassurance to Mary. The angel told her that Elizabeth, her relative, was already six months pregnant. Now, Elizabeth was, was very old, past child-rearing years, and yet the Lord had miraculously provided a child to her and her husband, Zechariah. So, you see here, God was providing reassurance to Mary. He said, go see for yourself. And, and something struck me as I was reading this over. I thought to myself, why six months? Why did God wait six months from when Elizabeth conceived to telling Mary about what would happen? Well, at six months in pregnancy, it's obvious, right? There are signs showing that a woman is pregnant at that point. 
And so, and so in a day before ultrasounds and sonograms and all of that stuff to confirm pregnancies, God allowed a time to pass so that Elizabeth was obviously showing so that when Mary arrived, it was clear that God's word was true. Mary also had faith in the Lord, even if following the Lord's plan meant suffering or creating a lot of tension. All right, think about the story that they have to tell their family and their friends, right? Mary is this young woman pledged to be married to Joseph, and suddenly she finds herself pregnant. There's going to be a lot of questions surrounding that pregnancy. People are going to question her integrity and Joseph's integrity. People are going to wonder about what they've been up to. And as I mentioned, Joseph even already planned to divorce her quietly until the angel reassured her that this was all part of God's plan. Imagine the pressure that they faced. And yet Mary still said, let it be to me as you have spoken. Mary's faith in the Lord and his plan meant trusting him even when it was hard to understand and trusting him even when it meant leading into difficult, uh, possibly suffering or tension that it may have caused. If you think about it, Mary demonstrates the same faithful submission that Jesus demonstrates later in his life. As Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he's going to be betrayed and, and eventually die on the cross, Jesus prays in the garden and tells the Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Can't you see the similarities that are at play here? Mary submitting herself in faithful obedience to the Lord. And 33 years later, Jesus doing the same. We are called to trust the Lord like Mary did. To take God at his word, even if we can't see the big picture. And to trust uh, and submit to God's plan, even when it is difficult. God can work in all sorts of ways in this world, but yet he chooses to work through people who faithfully obey and submit to him. And all of that is possible because of the faithfulness of God. See, Mary believed that God is, a, is trustworthy and able to fulfill his promises. See, our trust in, is predicated on God's faithfulness. Our belief about God and, and His faithfulness determines our level of trust. Think about it. If you believe that God is faithful, if you believe that He will live up to His Word, then you're going to be able to trust Him. But if you doubt God's faithfulness, if you doubt that God is able to provide or is able to live up to His Word, it's going to cause you to hesitate, right? And so our level of trust is predicated on our understanding of God's faithfulness. But what we need to tell ourselves today and every day is that the promises of God are sure. That we can take His Word to the bank. The promise that He makes Mary and the promise that He makes throughout Scripture, God is true to His Word. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 20-22 through 22 remind us that all of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ. That every promise that God has made has been, been brought to fulfillment in and through Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22. The theme of today's Advent candle is love. And there's no greater example of love than the faith. When Scripture talks about love, uh, there's, there's multiple words, and I'm not going to unpack all of them here today, but, but we as English speakers tend to use the same word love for a variety of meanings. But Scripture is a little bit more nuanced, and there's different ways to look at that. But the, the, one of the Hebrew words for love is, is this word that, that, that has this idea of faithfulness built into it. That God is not just loving in a, in a kind of an emotional sense, but that he demonstrates his love by being faithful to his word and to his people. And you see that over and over again in scripture when, even when God's people fail, God does not go back on his promises. That even when we are unfaithful, God continues to be faithful to us. That is the very nature of who God is. He is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. And that is how God demonstrates His love to us. He keeps His promises. He always keeps His word. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a 
faith, he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. His faithful love is also unconditional. His faithfulness is not based on our ability to follow his commands or even our faithfulness to him. But scripture is clear that even in our sin, God has demonstrated his love. Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait to, to, for us to get our act together or to clean up. He sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our sin because his love is unconditional. And all he asks in return is that we respond with love and grace, in love and, and trust as well. And his love is a life-giving love. It's God's love that enables us then to receive eternal life from him. And this is where we circle back around to John 3.16, one of the verses that was read for our Advent reading this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see the connection there? It is God's love for the world, God's love for you that motivated him. That was the driving force for, for God sending his son Jesus into this world. And it's through his love, through Christ and his death and his resurrection, that we then receive eternal life. God's love is promise-keeping, it is unconditional, and it is life-giving. And so this Christmas season, I invite you to rest in the faithful love of God. Peace can be elusive in this world. Anxiety reigns all too often in our lives. It always seems like there is more to do. And so I invite you to take comfort in God's faithful love because it will never fail. Learn to follow Mary's example. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me, your word to me be fulfilled. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, to rescue us from our sin. And we thank you for the example of Mary's faith. May we depend fully and completely on the faithfulness of God in all that we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service of worship today. I invite you to stand. If you're able, we, are, we will sing hymn number 151, Good Christian Men Rejoice.
Jesus Christ is born today, born to save us from our sins. Amen. I invite you to go now from this place knowing that Jesus came to save lost sinners like you and me. That is certainly something to celebrate. We invite you to come back tonight for our candlelight service. Uh, It does begin at 7 p.m. We invite you and your families to join us as we continue to worship our newborn king. Now we invite you to go in peace, knowing that God, um, may may the God of all May the love of the, wow, I got all tongue-tied there. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.